Blog Talk Radio. I'm Raina Starr, so you don't have to be. Today's show is really exciting for me because I'm having one of my favorite people on. But before we get started, Desperate House, which is, is not a GPG or even an R-rated show, so if bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might offend you, may not be the show for you. But you tune in for that, so who are you kidding? Desperate House, which is, is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for your witching needs. Dorothy will be having some specials in September and October. These are to be announced. Okay, so my guest is in the queue, but because I, I really kind of adore this person, I'm going to go ahead and read their bio first because I get tongue-tied as it is, and if they're on the air with me, I'm going to get even more tongue-tied, so let's do this first. Lilith Dorsey, M.A., Master of Arts, hails from many magical traditions, including Afro-Caribbean, Celtic, and indigenous American spirituality. See, I told you. Their traditional education focused on plant science, anthropology, and film at the University of Rhode Island, New York University, and the University of London. And their magical training includes numerous initiations in Santeria, also known as Lakumi, Haitian Vodan, and New Orleans Voodoo. Lilith Dorsey is also a voodoo priestess and in that capacity has been doing successful magic since 1991 for patrons, is editor-publisher of Ocean African Magical Quarterly, filmmaker of the experimental documentary Bodies of Water, Voodoo Identity and Transformation, and choreographer-performer for jazz legend Dr. John's Night Tripper Voodoo Show. They have long been committed to providing accurate and respectful information about the African traditional religions and are proud to be a published black author of such titles as Voodoo and African Traditional Religion, 55 Ways to Connect to Goddess, the African American Ritual Cookbook, which I still want a copy of, Love Magic, the best-selling Orishas, Goddesses, and Voodoo Queens, and the cover award-winning Water Magic. Okay. Thanks for coming. That's it for our show tonight. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> all right, everybody. It is my honor and pleasure to bring on my friend, Lilith Dorsey. Hey, Lilith. Hello. Thank you so much, Raina. I'm so excited. Me too. How are you? How have you been? I, I, I haven't heard your voice in quite a long time, it feels like. I know. I know. I've been sick, but I'm on the mend now, so things are getting better. Oh, good. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, we've, you know, it's interesting. We've all been having these physical difficulties. I've got like one working eye right now, so <laughs> oh, no. we've all got something. Oh, yeah, I scratched a cornea. It's a whole thing. It's been going on for two months now, and the doctor's like, well, it's healing. And I'm like, dude, come on. It's been since mid-July. What's going on? He's like, it's just slow. You know, you're old. I'm like, what? <laughs> Like, I know. Oh, Nobody's oh, getting any younger. Jeez. Right? Yeah. So aside from aside from dealing with the physical, have you been to any um festivals? Have you done any pagan events lately? Yeah, yeah. We just finished Hexfest. I was really excited about that. Uh I'm a mm, regular mm-hmm. presenter there now, so that's that's a trip. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I saw a video of you singing. I found that very exciting. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know, I'm so used to writing and making films and dancing. Like, people turn around, they're like, you can sing? And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's not something I think of myself as, but, you know, I did used to sing on Broadway a long, long time ago. It counts. It totally counts. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't I did not know this about you. You are so multifaceted. 
That's incredible. So what, when did you sing on Broadway? What, did, did you want to say what you were singing in? Sure. I almost never talk about this, so I think that's great. Like, you know, one of those hidden facts yeah. about little Dorothy. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And I was a preteen and a teenager. I did, um, you know, Broadway theater with two people who've now gone on to win Grammys, Eagle Eye Cherry, who was, you know, doing all that stuff with Santana and Monifa Carter. Like, I was so close with both of them, and it's so funny to me now. We all thought, Eagle Eye told me he couldn't sing. So here's another person who thought wow. they couldn't sing. And, uh, you know, Monifa back in the day, we all just thought of each other as, like, actors, and we were very serious and stuff like that. We did a production of Godspell, and we did a Midsummer Night's Dream oh. where I was a fairy. It was great. It was wonderful. Oh, that's so cool. So why did you stop? You didn't have the bug to pursue it further, the acting bug? I wanted to, actually. I'm going to call my mother out. She decided that it would be too rough a life for me. So apparently, like, I got offered all of these things, and she just turned them down, you know. So that's oh. lovely to find out as an adult. But whatever. Wow. That's yeah, yeah, dev- yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's devasa- devastating to me because the school of perform- – oh, and I relate because I ad- auditioned for the School of Performing Arts and the reason why I didn't get to go was not because I wasn't talented, but because my father did not want to pay for me to go to school in the city. Oh, my gosh. So, that's yeah. terrible. That's where Eagle Eye okay. went. You could have went to school with him. See? <laughs> wow. Small world. Yeah, that's frustrating, though, when, you know, when your parents see you have talent and either are protecting you or or protecting some other interest kind of cut off a really huge potential dream. Do you, do you have any kind of feelings about it? Like have you worked past the perhaps resentment you might have felt about it? Well, I mean, I always tell people, I think that's why I found magic because, you know, my parents weren't the most stellar people, and I can say that even though one of yeah. them is still around. You know, so I think yeah. that some of those challenges I just thought are turned to magic. You know what I mean? Like that was a way yeah. for me to get more control over my life. That is so true. Oh, I totally agree with that because I felt so out of control uh, until I moved out of the house because basically every decision was made for me and I wasn't even allowed to have an opinion or a point of view or even certainly not speak about it until I was, what, almost 22 years old. So I totally feel all that. Uh, even though I was a magic practitioner for a number of years prior to leaving, um, it wasn't until I officially walked out that door that it was like, okay, I'm reclaiming myself for me now. And I actually had to learn what my genuine feelings were because I had had other people's feelings shoved into me for so long. It's a really weird phenomenon. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it, though. No, I understand that completely, definitely. Well, I, for one, extremely grateful that I actually know you as a human, have met you in the person, and and think the world of you. I think you are so talented, and, you know, these little gems of information um, while exciting, are not surprising to me at all. I should have known, uh, having known some of your past, that you would totally be a singer, performer. and I mean, you're a master of arts. You really are in the truest sense of that term. So I'm honored that you're in magic and that I get to actually talk to you because if you wound up being uber, uber, you know, famous, famous, I wouldn't have this opportunity. So thank you. Everything for oh, a reason, thank I suppose. You. <laughs> so, thank you. That's you know, great. Been... I mean, it does come in handy, well, the singing, you so. know, because sure. for so long we would scramble to, you know, I'm not a drummer. That's one thing I don't do, you know. So we would scramble to have music at our rituals and things like that. And 
I remember yeah. years ago I had taken Dr. John to meet my priestess, Priestess Miriam, here in New Orleans at the Voodoo mm-hmm. Spiritual Temple, and she was worried about drummers. And then all of a sudden, you know, eight-time, eight, nine-time Grammy winner Dr. John walks in, and the two of them just sang the whole ritual, and uh, I sang with them, and it was beautiful, you know. So at that mm-hmm. point I said, I'm never worrying about musicians anymore. That's it. <laughs> Well, they they tend to turn up, don't they? And you're one of them. So, you know, wherever you are, there is music. So, just saying. Anyway, <laughs> that was a huge compliment. I don't say that to anybody but you. I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's so sweet. <laughs> well, Yay. I, I, I think the world of you, you know that. But, you know, it's really nice, you know, you mentioned going to Hexfest, and that's aw- that's awesome and, and very cool. So it feels like that, you know, community is trying to rebuild itself after be- everybody being shuttered in for such a long time. I mean, you know, you can't be in isolation for a couple of years and not have it affect you, you know. It, I think it makes being at events so much more exciting because we have each other in so long you know what I mean no I know definitely I missed it so much you know not just Hexfest I went out to uh, INAPS to accept my cover award so that was the first time I'd been in Denver at that event so that was great you know lots of new faces lots of new people that was exciting and uh, back in March I went to Pekinicon which is the first hotel conference I'd done in a really long time so that was great again there was snow on the ground, which now I live in New Orleans. I don't get to see that anymore. But um, <laughs> nice. I saw it briefly, you know, step out the hotel, see it, and then run back inside. Yeah, that's great. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's – I don't miss snow, not even slightly. I was brought up in it. So, yeah, no, you can keep all that. Thank you. Um, I've still not had the, the pleasure of being uh, in New Orleans. I'm, I'm dying to go at some point. Um I, I, everything I hear is just amazing, so that's that's an exciting thought. But speaking of community, you had you have a project going on that I knew nothing about, and I'm sure I'm not the only unenlightened person. So please, let's talk about what you've got going on right now. Yeah, people keep asking about a new book, and I'm like, well, there isn't a book because there's a community garden. And I'm so excited to say that the city has given me a lot that's a few doors down from my house to use as a community garden for the city. Everything's going to be given away. It's going to be worked on by myself and the community. And, I mean, this area is really rough. I mean, I love it. I wouldn't be anywhere else. But, you know, we don't have a supermarket we have very few community gardens in the area. You know, it's, the closest one's probably a 10, 15-minute walking distance from where this one's going to be. So I think it's really important for people to see that they can grow their own food, their own herbs, their own flowers. You know, there's also a lot of flooding in the community, so I hope some of this planting will be able to ease some of that, you know, extra water that we have around and just sort of put a face to it. And that's something that I just, it's really close to my heart because I want to give back. And I did did a panel a while ago about black food justice, and somebody there was talking about how, you know, they'd be out working on their community gardens, and, you know, the young people would come by, and they would be like, well, I don't want to do that because, you know, that's, quote unquote slave work, you know, this this idea that working with your hands is what our ancestors were forced to do. So now we've risen above it. But the reality is we need to know how to grow our own food. You know, that's something that we knew even before it was forced upon us and it's something that especially since the pandemic we've seen the need for. That's that's wow, you know, I as a privileged white person, which I am uh, that did not occur to me that that would be a turnoff to young folks, and that makes perfect sense. Um, but I will tell you, places that w- that are underserved from a food standpoint are in real danger. And the idea that you're putting this together and, and you know, you've got buy-in from the city is fantastic um, because 
you know, you don't get to do anything if you're starving. And especially your city that's been hit by so many things of nature that have wiped out food supplies, you know, just just from a natural standpoint, not to mention just being an underserved community, that's vital. I mean, that is I, – I can't think of a better way for, for a person to give back to their community, but to help them sustain themselves and, and, help, and teach them how to grow their own food. That's I, – I mean, I get – I understand it. Um, still vital and important, you know. It, it just didn't occur to me that that would be a, a turnoff to young people because of history. But it makes, I mean, I get it. It makes sense, right? No, definitely, definitely, you know. And I think it's something that we've seen, especially in the past few years, like a big reclaiming in this area. And for me to just be out there and, you know, if some kids walk by and they see me growing strawberries or blueberries or something like that and they can, you know, see how it's done and come over and get some, even if I'm not there, you know, that's just so important to me. I I do have to say this. This is an old black people neighborhood, which is okay because I'm an old black people now. (laughs) (laughs) But what I didn't realize is, you know, they have those plaques up. Oh, here's a historic site. Here's a historic site. And I've been here since the beginning of the pandemic. And I walked by the school that was down the street. And I was in a, a car the other day and the driver was telling me, he's like, you know, that's the Ruby Bridges school. Like, I'm just a couple of blocks down the street from the doors, and Ruby Bridges is still alive and living here in New Orleans, but the doors that she walked through to, you know, integrate the all-white school, that's less than, well, less than five blocks from where this garden is, you know. So for that to be such a seat of, like, black history, and then I can put the garden here, that will hopefully, again, help serve black people in the neighborhood and really stand for something. Wow. That's incredible. Are there a lot of visitors to your area, people who are interested in history? I mean, do they do, do they have tours no. arranged or no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Really? People come to New Orleans. I just found out we're in the. Top, I think we're the top LGBTQ vacation city. That's what came out yesterday. So, but people want to go to Bourbon Street. People want to, you know, travel here and just have a good time and eat and drink and, you know, obviously get sloppy from Mardi Gras and things like that. But I think that the history is really not as discovered as it should be. You know, I mean, there's there's plenty of history here, but a lot of it is still not celebrated to the extent that I think it should be. I I agree completely. I mean, not only is it important to know history, it's important to raise perhaps some tourist re- revenue in that area specifically for that reason. You know, to bring oh, people definitely. knowledge and and you know and maybe. Do you know to bring more attention to your neighborhood because it is so rich in history? You know, it really bothers me when people separate history. History is a continuum, you know, from start to continuation. And the idea that, well, I only want to know this history because I relate to it, you have to understand all history is our history, good, bad, and otherwise. Don't you agree? I do agree completely. You know, if we don't know it, we're doomed to repeat it, good, bad, and indifferent, you know. So I think that just learning more about these things is really important. And I've, like I said, I've seen a little bit here and there, but I'm hoping that this project will bring more attention. I know I've had some people already that have been like, oh, I want to come visit and I want to come see it. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll put you to work. That's going to happen for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Well, Definitely. No, there's nothing wrong with learning. I mean, and I, I, you know, I'm not too good for anything. Shit, if I show up, put my ass to work. It would do me some good. All right. I don't care. I <laughs> See? <laughs> um, do you still have the um, the place to stay? I do, I do. I have a and b here. Right now it's, you know, friends, family, and extended family only. But, you know, if somebody's interested okay. and they can get someone to vouch for them, we can talk. You're definitely welcoming. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was like, okay, who am I going to get to vouch for me? But thanks. No, no, you're, you're, you're good. You're fine. Because I'd love it's to. Good. I mean, I would, I would, 
I was I like history um, from the standpoint of you can't ever know too much about something, and there are all these, you know, you, you get away from the tourist traps, and, and people think, well, that's where all the history is. No, the history is everywhere else. The tourist trap is the bright and shiny that they lure you in with. That's not necessarily where the good stuff is. You know, the good stuff is in the neighborhoods where people have been for years and years and years, you know, where people put down roots and and have had their families continue there for decades and decades and decades. So I think that, you know, if you're really interested in a place's history, probably going to the tourist traps is the last place you should go. You know, I think it's yeah, more, yeah. much more informative to, you know, go to these smaller places. So how did you come up with the – I mean, I know you wanted to give back because that's just you, and I know that. Um, but how did you – I mean, did you have to come up with some kind of a plan? Did you already have the lot that you wanted in mind? How, what is the genesis of this kind of thing? Is it something you had discussed with friends like, you know, I really want to do this, is, you know, and, and get people to buy in with you? Well, all of these things. Um, <laughs> Basically, it's a program that the city has. There's a lot of vacant lots. There's a lot of abandoned properties, you know, all over the city, not just in my neighborhood. And the city has a program that you can lease it from them as a, if you're going to use it as a community garden and give everything away free to the community. And when I heard this, I was just like, this is fantastic. You know, I, I, it wasn't an easy process. You know, I had to get recommendations from, you know, my local agricultural center person was fantastic. And some of the other people I know that work in the area, politicians and things like that had to give me recommendations. And then, as you mentioned in my bio, I also have a plant science degree. And then you need to give them Mm -hmm. a very detailed plan about, okay, this plant is going to go here because they want to make sure you're not planting anything that's going to take over or not survive and thrive in the area, you know. So I had to do all of that. So, And I found out about it because my friend was looking at purchasing one of these lots around here for a tiny house. And, you know, she was looking at that and looking at auctions, and, and a lot of that was also complicated. So we found out about this, and I was like, wait a minute, this one's just down the street from my house. This is perfect. I mean, I have a large yard, but I want more. Like land, Katie Scarlett. God, us ain't making any more of it, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, just right. The thought that I could have it. Wow. So, what? Yeah, how yeah. long did this take before you got the the actual uh, buy-in from the city? Um, you apply, and then I think it took maybe three or four months of back and forth and revised. They wanted more detailed plans and things like that, and then, you know, I had to do a timeline and stuff like that, and, and we're just starting on it now, you know. Uh, my daughter came to visit, and another good friend helped me break ground on it a couple of weeks ago, and hopefully, I mean, it's almost 100 degrees with the heat index right now, and it pours every day. It's like the tropics down here. So as that lessens off a little bit and we get into the fall, more of the planting is going to happen, and, uh, you know, we're going to start literally digging into it and doing more stuff this weekend even. So I'm excited. Oh, that's fantastic. Congratulations. That's really marvelous. What are you planning to grow? Oh, so many things. Like I said, things that are easy for people to come and pick, you know, blueberries and raspberries and hopefully someone will donate a banana tree. Bananas do really well down here. And then herbs because I do a lot of stuff with herbs. You know, I do a lot of writing about herbs and, you know, I had to promise to the city it's non-denominational so everybody's welcome here. But, you know, I think it's so important for the community to know that we have these herbs and traditionally, not even from a religious standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, this is something that the indigenous Choctaw and Chickasaw people used for healing or for, you know, if you had a rash or something like that, you know, so there's a lot of things like that that we're going to put in. There's one thing that I'm so excited. We're going to plant crinum lilies, which people think are native to Louisiana, but I was, doing some research the other day and crinum lilies were actually brought on slave ships and hidden and planted here in Louisiana once the people got off those boats. And like, that's so fascinating to me that we have plants that people 
they were so important to them that they carried them, you know, when they could carry almost nothing to this country. And they do really well here. They take over. They're beautiful, spidery-looking lilies. So I have some of those. Um, and it's it's going to evolve, you know, and I'm excited about that. I'm really, really excited about that. And, and also, you know, partnerships with some of the people I've already been talking to, local food banks, local, you know, merchants that deal wow. with plants or herbs or things like that. One of my good friends owns an herb co- company, and she's coming out to help me on Saturday. So it's it's good. I feel really good about it, you know. That's you know, that, talk about giving back. Again, fantastic. You know, I, I, I applaud and marvel at the same time because that is such an act of love to give just to people, period, to, to, you know, be able to go to a place and have actual fresh vegetation. Folks don't realize it's not that easy to get good grown stuff like locally and the fact that you're doing this fantastic garden um how big a piece of property is it if i can ask sure it's about 30 feet by 80 feet so it's a normal house lot size and it's corner lot which is nice so i'm glad about that successful since this is going to be successful i should say um is there a potential for you to acquire more lots over time Oh, definitely, and there's also an option. I think you have to keep it for three-plus years, and then if everything's in good standing, you can offer to buy it directly from the city, and then you can use it for whatever you want. Wow. So, yeah, if there's anybody out there in New Orleans that's thinking about it, there's a ton of properties that are out there. You just need to, you know, get the paperwork in order and do what you need to do and, and put it together. That's great. Are, have you considered helping folks write plans for this since you've already done all the hard work? <laughs> sure. I'd be happy to, you know, give everybody advice that wants advice about it or how to do it or anything like that. You know, I, I'd love to see more of them. You know, I would love to see more flowers and fruits and vegetables and herbs instead of just, oh, here's where a bunch of people threw some tires and some trash, which is what you see mostly in this neighborhood, you know, and uh, that makes me sad, you know. I always tried to do my own guerrilla gardening when I was living in New York City, but, you know, the opportunities for starting your own kind of thing are, are, I think, much fewer and farther between. So, you know, I was those person who would have the seeds or I would take over the little, you know, dirt under the tree in front of the apartment building <laughs> and plant flowers yeah. there, you know, things like that, just because <laughs> I missed it, you know. I, I had a large yard for a long time, and then when I was living in New York for 20 years, I didn't have a yard, so that made me really sad. Sure. So I would do what I could, but now that I'm back and getting my hands in the dirt, it really makes me happy. That's wonderful. Is there any plan, future plan for perhaps chickens or things of that nature chickens scare me i know that's like a joke for the voodoo person's afraid of chickens but <laughs> well i don't know if that's true but i mean i i know what you're saying and i i get the implied joke but you know we have fears of things that are often unexpected and i i don't judge on that because i have my own fears and a lot of my fears are fucking irrational and I know it. So, yeah, I don't judge anybody else's fears. Believe That's fucking great. No, I would love to have chickens. I would love to have chickens. And we have such wildlife out here. I mean, like, I have a whole, what is it, a murder of crows? I have a whole murder of crows in the yard. And then there's wow. jays and egrets. And I saw what really? the other day some kind of hawk thing came by. <laughs> it was it's really wow. and, and not to mention snakes and possums and and everything you could possibly imagine is out there so i think again providing more of a habitat for them more things for them would be really helpful i mean my yard has so many mulberries i've never i had mulberries again i had a mulberry tree most people who have a mulberry tree you look at it maybe 30 feet i mean they have the song here you go around the mulberry bush right there's a mulberry, mulberry bush, tree in yeah. my backyard that's 70 feet high, easy, 
easy. There's mulberries oh, all over everything. It's insane. The thing must be ancient at this point, you know. Plus, we have I have a live oak in my yard as well. So it's a weird corner where it's like both, you know, bits of it are wild, but there are some really old growth trees, and then there's, you know, a bunch of trash. So for me, I'm trying to sort of tip that balance back to where, you know, we have something that's more sustainable, not just for humans, but for the wildlife that's around here too. Wow. So it must be a lot of work to clear, you know, you're saying that there, you know, people have not taken care of a lot of the properties. So did you have to basically, or are you in the process of clearing uh, this particular land of trash, or did you already do that? Does the city get involved in any of that at all? Yeah, the city pretty much made sure it was in, you know, good shape for me. You know, people still drive by and throw trash out the window. Don't do that. You know, that was the best ritual I ever went to, somebody else's ritual. It was for, you know, Mother Earth, and somebody just went around the circle yelling at everybody, I know you don't recycle. I know you threw that thing out the window. It was great. It was just like holding everybody accountable. And she was this maybe eight-month pregnant woman in black veils. I was like, this is it. This is what's supposed to happen. So, But, no, the city cleared it out for me, and it's been maintained. So now it's just pretty much getting everything in there and everything going. It does, the site doesn't have water, so that's going to make things more difficult. But I do have a rain barrel, and we got the compost started, and it's going to be all organic. So all of these things are ongoing. And, you know, again, I think it's something that maybe people think they couldn't do. You know, people always say to me, oh, you think you're so great that you did it. I was like... Look, it was hard, but it wasn't impossible, you know. Like, I I know what I'm doing with plants, but I think that everything that I'm planting is really simple, you know. I mean, it's something that people could do on a smaller scale, even if it was just a small little, we call them the health strip, but the little teeny strip of grass (laughs) at the end of your street or something, Mm -hmm. you know, that you could turn into being more sustainable, you know. We don't need lawns. We don't need pesticides. We don't need all of those things, you know. It's just as easy for somebody to put in creeping thyme or chamomile or or some other kind of ground cover that's not going to be so harmful to the environment and so hard to keep going, you know. Like, I don't have another book, but I've been thinking a lot about writing about sustainable magic because I think people are thinking about these things, you know. And I thought today, I was like, look, how many herbs have I bought and how many herbs have I actually planted in the ground, you know? Even though I've planted a lot of herbs in my lifetime, I think I've probably still bought more. So (laughs) I just want to think about, am I taking, but am I also giving back? Am I showing people how, oh, okay, maybe they can plant these things in their yard. Maybe they can plant these things in their window box. And then, you know, that will help them magically in whatever they're doing. It will help them in their kitchen. You said you wanted the cookbook. You know, I'm a big believer in using magical herbs and cooking and things of that nature, you know. And it doesn't have to be a big to-do. It could be something as simple as, oh, look, parsley is used for healing. Basil is used to get rid of demons and bad energies and things like that. Maybe I'm going to make something tonight that has those things in it doesn't have to yep. be complicated. I mean, it doesn't. And it's a great extension of magic, as you said, because, you know, you're an artist and you're a writer and you're, you know, you've done performance and you've done all of these incredible things. And you get, I mean, everything you do is giving to everybody else, you know, whether it's your art or your singing or your words, or whatever it is. And this is just another step in that evolution of giving back to the world and giving back to community. You know, we fucking talk about community all the time, but you're doing the actual work. You know what I mean? I mean, there's lots of ways. I don't want to take no shade on anybody, okay? I'm not saying <laughs> that giving I'm – not, I'm not trying to define giving – for other people. I'm just saying when I look at you and I see the things that you've done and the things that you're doing, it's an extension of the magic. It's a, it's an extension of the giving to now not only want to nourish people in their brains and give them more knowledge, but now to give them more knowledge and feed them at the same time is like, that's to me probably the most incredible thing. 
because that's something you give to people, and if they're wise, they will continue it long after we're not on this plane, if you know what I mean. So I think that's just perfect to do something like that. You know, I I do not have property. I am not a property kind of person. Um, but lately, I have thought about it, and I'm, I'm putting it out there that one day, yeah, I kind of maybe do want a house. Because it's not something I ever thought about before for myself, because right. I've always been a city rat. I'm fr- I mean, you know I'm from the city, and, you know, a house is, a nice idea in theory, but every stress that it has is now yours as opposed to what I do now, which is pick up a phone and say, hey, I got some stress for you. <laughs> Come fix this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, it's a huge responsibility, and I'm not that much of a responsible person, and I recognize that about myself. Um, but, you know, the idea that you would pass something on to the community that is sustainable and ongoing for, you know, an infinite amount of time if it's well taken care of is a beautiful thing. And it's not something a lot of us think about because of where we are or what we're currently doing in our lives. So I just think that's fascinating and fantastic that you're doing this in your community, which was already underserved. So, you know, hopefully this will encourage others to start other plots you know, and, and maybe even make you the matriarch or the, the person arc, excuse me, I'm so sorry, of all of that. I don't know what the correct word for hierarchy is <laughs> in this regard, but yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, pronouns are important, and I do apologize. But yeah, I'm still, sometimes I still have to look for words because I'm not sure the right version of the word. Anyway, yeah. um, do you find that that's an interesting a, a thing that you have to deal with, with with certain words because they're still gendered? Yes, definitely, definitely. And I think, again, the public conception of me particularly gets blurry, you know what I mean? So I think that I'm constantly trying to redefine it and put it out there like you read. I mean, not just about, you know, gender, about race. You know, and I think this is something that people get confused about. I'm constantly, I'm like, there'll be a list of black authors, and I'll look at people. I'm like, that person just has pinky hair. You know, <laughs> it's really. Whoa! I think people are struggling sometimes. Wow! To figure out really? how to place people and to be respectful. People like people, and if somebody gives you, you know, their their preferred pronouns, that you just fucking use them. You know? Sure, of course. <laughs> Of you know, I'm Pam, so all all love is gravy with me because I'm Pam, you know. I didn't know I was Pam until, like, late last year, you know. It's through discussions do we evolve into who we are, you know. It's like, because I've been bisexual my whole life, and then it, it was brought up to me that that's not even really the case with me and that I'm actually Pam, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, we're going to go with that now. So, yeah, I mean, if someone, if someone refers to me as bisexual, I mean, that's fine, too. I'm not going to say, no, I'm not. I am now pan. I mean, because some people do get like that. It's like, no, 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 you are still incorrect. I don't really care. I'm old. Nobody gives a shit. You know, I mean, I'm just an old person. I'm just trying to get it right for other people and help guide other older people to, like, maybe not be so stuck in their ways. Because, you know, when I was a kid, Everybody was, you know, stuck in their ways then too, and it was like taking a crowbar to, you know, my oh, my no, parents' concept. You know, no, a, definitely. Great day, with... and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I grew up in New York with Kitty Genovese and everything, you know. So I grew up with, yep. you didn't want to tell anybody if you were lesbian or bi or LGBTQ, you yep. know. You didn't want to tell them that because it was dangerous, you know. And oh, yeah. uh, I'm glad we don't live in that world anymore. But I don't think people, for me, I just don't want people to presume, you know what I mean? Presume, oh, look at her, you know, yeah. like I biologically had children. So that must mean that I'm straight and that must mean that I'm this and that. And I'm like, no, yeah. oh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. 
Absolutely not. No. And people do make that assumption. And, you know, it's interesting because we're now at work allowed to actually say, you know, here are my pronouns. There you go. So, yes. <laughs> you know, it's the world is changing slowly, even though it feels like it's constantly fucking going backwards from a political standpoint, and I, I, oh, yeah. I don't want to make this a protracted thing about all that, but, I mean, oh, and happy birthday, Marsha P. Johnson. We still I was you just going to say that. Ah! <laughs> I, I, I was. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say right? that, you know, because, again, people presume things about me, you know, and I grew up with my dad, a black gay man who was at Stonewall with Mark P. Johnson. So, like, I, wow. I think that for me, I came from a place of that was firmly entrenched in me, you know, and that's how yeah. I live my life. So when people, again, make presumptions about people, that makes me, you know, both sad and angry at the same time. Yeah. No, I and I get it, you know, and it, here's the other thing. Because I'm an older person, people assume, like, love and sensuality and, you know, gender suddenly don't matter anymore and, you know, or, or lack thereof doesn't matter anymore. Like, you're old now. You don't care about sex and you don't care about sensuality and you don't care about blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, I <laughs> I still enjoy love and all of the good things and, you know, I mean, listen, I've told you for years I have a mega crush on you. That's not a joke. Aww. It's serious, you know, but Aww, it's you. not something, I mean, I, I love you and I respect you, but, you know, I don't have the need to, like, run to your house and say, I give you my undying love, I will do whatever you want, great rules. But you know what I mean? But I still have those feelings. I can still fall in love and I can still have crushes and I can still, you know, do all of these things. Just because you get old doesn't mean that suddenly dies at a certain age, right? Oh, of course it doesn't die. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just as strong as it ever was. And I have a little crush on you too, Raina, so we can have our own whatever, Wednesday crush day. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Definitely. I mean, yeah, honey. That's, well, I am going to make a visit, so you're going to put me to work? All right, then. <laughs> All right. I am going to put you to work. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, yeah. all kidding aside, you know, these are the icons of the LGBTQ++ community, a community I'm really proud to be a part of. Always was lucky enough to be able to be a part of it, though. You know, because I quote unquote passed. I mean, so I totally get it. And it went from passing to presumption. And it's the presumption part, I think, that folks are now really vocalizing. And it's not that we didn't object before, um, but now it's, it's more accepted to say, no, no, you know, this is what it is. Let's take a shoehorn to those old ways of thinking, you know, because, I mean, when I was in college, I was with a trans person, and, you know, we didn't talk about it because it was the 70s, and it was really hush-hush. And right. I mean, so I, I understand being in a relationship that has been threatened by other people and been threatening, for whatever reason, to other people because of lack of understanding. So, you know, because of all the things I've seen, I am ultra-sensitive to people being treated the way they want to be treated. I still fuck up. Don't say, I'm not fucking perfect. I you heard me fuck up a little while ago. I don't mean to do it. I'm trying. I still try every day. I got to try cuz you know, <laughs> things evolve, people evolve. What I worry about is people getting trashed for things that they did before the continuing ages of enlightenment. I mean, Because, I mean, we've said stuff about each other in the community as a joke that would now be considered horrendous. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm not for punishing people retroactively from 40 years ago. 
things were different. Things were different 10 years ago, five years ago, and guess what? They're going to be different again 10 years from now. You know, who knows what we're saying that at some point might be construed in the future as being offensive. So I apologize right up front for all present, future, and past offenses as a joke that I may have made. I don't know if that covers me. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. All I can tell you is we're just going to keep trying to get it right. Right? That's great. I'm apologizing, too. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think you're right. I mean, I think that there's definitely things we all went through, you know, and I think that part of the situation now is that there are people who haven't gone through that. You know, we've seen decades, I won't say how many, but decades of this happening, you know, so it is always evolving. And it is, you know, you watch something from 20 or 30 years ago, and it can seem horribly offensive, you know, not to mention, I watched The Honeymooners the other day, holy moly, that was like, (laughs) this is the worst thing ever. And, you know, even at the time, it was disturbing. But now it's just like, how could anyone watch this? This is just terrible, you know. And I think that we have to be mindful of of what was happening at the time you know like I do write books but I'm also you know a film and tv scholar so we can see that the evolution over time you know and things that were not okay become okay you know and we realize that we've come a long way yeah I mean talk about things that you can't even watch anymore things like all in the family do you remember that oh yeah from the 70s yes Oh, my gosh. And, I mean, there's so many people I could apply that to right now, but I'm not going to because I'm going to try to be a nice person for the rest of this hour. But, I mean, if if you look around, there are some people who are an Archie Bunker type. And I said I wasn't going to get into politics. I'm just going to say his name rhymes with rump. Okay, now, next. Um, but it's not. But it's not just him. It's other ones that are supporting of that mindset, like DeSantis and all these other ones that are wanting to turn the clock back in a way that is offensive to anybody who cares about people, even if you just care about your own family. You know, I've witnessed this so many times where people have been sexist and racist. And, and bigoted on all kinds of scales. And then they have a child who falls in love with the person or the idea of the person that that parent hates. Or, you know, it's abhorrent because of this political standing or this, this color or this religion or what have you. And it never fails. If you walk around with hate and don't try to fix your hate, it will come back and smack you in the head one way or another. And I don't like to see that kind of justice have to happen, even though it does have to happen. Sure. But, I mean, you need to learn the lesson that love is love and people are people. And, listen, I don't like a lot of people. And I don't talk to a lot of people. But the reason I don't like them is a personality thing not anything that that is beyond their control. You know, if you're raised this way, that's who you are. If you're, you know, born into this heritage, that's who you are. You don't get to choose. You are what you are. I mean, you're born what you're born, yes. and that's it. You know, the only thing you get to change, change is your mind and your direction, and that's kind of the same thing, but you don't really get to change the basics, you know. Your people come from where they come from. You can't change your past. You can change your future, but you can't change your past. So it is what it is. And I just wish people would get over trying to control other people. And it's whether it's who you love or what you believe or where you go. You know, the world and all of its people have to continue to evolve. And the people who don't want to evolve, I'm sorry, but... Those are the people that are going to get left behind and eventually die off. And I'm sorry, there's a lot of y'all out there that the heritage, we don't want to continue, you know, the hate and stuff. 
be different from from you know distance yourself from hatred because it's a non it's a non-starter and it's not a winner. You know you can't grow anything without love, whether it's plants or people or communities or anything worth having. Sorry, I got on a soapbox. It happened. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. I mean, I think that's what it's at the core. You have to treat people with love and respect. And for me, that was one of the beauty of becoming a parent, you know, that, like, your kids do challenge those ideas that you might have and why I don't think I had any, you know, I'm a black person, so I didn't have any overtly anti-black ideas, but I certainly had it. My daughter right. was head cheerleader. And I I can tell you, I did have some stereotypical ideas about being head cheerleader. But I loved her and oh, I respected boy. her and she did a wonderful job. Sure. <laughs> yep. My priestess said, she's just okay. like you. She wants to be out in front giving orders and looking pretty. And I was like, oh, damn. Hello. I got a whole read right there. <laughs> well, she is gorgeous and she does look just like you. So there's that. Um, so it does not surprise me. She, it does not surprise me that that's what she went for, and I'm sure was inordinately successful at. Um, got that, honestly, for sure. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's and it's it just always brings me back to gatekeeping and people who want to prevent yeah. people from growing, and you know, the holding back of. See, but I don't hear about that kind of gatekeeping from folks of the Afro-American or the Afrocentric traditions, is there a lot of that or is it really just a Gardnerian fuck-off thing that we like to do every other three years? Well, it's funny because I did get asked this question in an interview this week and, you know, because I think that if somebody's going to professionally start practicing any of these ATRs, you know, New Orleans voodoo, Haitian voodoo, any of that, that there's a responsibility that, I mean, the word tradition is in it. It's a teacher-student relationship, which we consider a godparent and godchild relationship. So as much as people might want to run out and make up stuff and do all things like that, there is an established way of doing things that have been done that way for 4,000 years. And I can say right. that and People are going to think that's gatekeeping. But for me, it just is sort of a respect and a saluting of the process that this is an experience that is taught this way. And, you know, my godparents were maybe between, you know, 10, 15, 20 years older than me. So they had different experiences that I hadn't lived through yet you know, and sure. they could give me advice on those kinds of things. You know, the person I was talking to in the interview brought up Saturn return. You're going to have a very different idea about things after your Saturn return and before your Saturn return. Oh, so there's certain things yeah. have to happen with age. And, and that to me is not gatekeeping. That's just life. You know what I mean? Like you can't drive a car at three years old. As much as any three-year-old you talk to is going to really want to drive that car, but they're not allowed to. <laughs> Right. No, of course. I don't see that as gatekeeping. Right. Well, no, it's not. That. That. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you said that. But to me, what happens in your traditions is respectful and passed down, and it's not. No one's turning their nose up at what they're being taught because this is the reality of the tradition. But you have these other practitioners of these more. Uh, European, uh, white, I don't know what else to tell you, that just seem to want to have, and I, it's not all white people, obviously. I am not, I'm, I'm not blanketing. It just seems that resistance and arguing is, is more done from a, a Western European standpoint than an Afrocentric standpoint. There's like still respect for the way things were originally. But things are added, correct? I mean, you guys don't practice exactly the same exact way that you did hundreds of years ago, do you? I mean, the basic No, no, there's been a lot of changes, especially in the right, past hundred right, years. Right, there's respect. Right, but you, sure. got, you still have respect in your traditions you know, it, you recognize the fact that this is the way things were done. These are the things we still believe. These are how, this is how we practice this now to include other people. 
And I just wish there was more of that across the pagan spectrum. That's probably what I should have said. I'm old and tired and sorry. But you know what I mean? It's, it's, no, I it's know exactly more what you mean. Yeah, it's, it's almost like people now are like, well, what you're practicing isn't legitimate. And it's like, um, why? Because I don't want to say that everything is male-female driven only because it's not, and it wasn't. We just didn't talk about it. You know, I don't really think that much has changed in the regard of people not being um, cis anything. You know what I mean? I think people as they are now have always existed, but perhaps didn't have language to express it. So, you know, I I don't think that that being trans or being non-gendered is a new thing. I think it's a new thing that we're, we're talking about it and nobody's like, fucking freaking out over it anymore you know i think that part's great but these but folks have always existed in all of their multi-hued multi and non-gendered forms this is not this is not something that suddenly dropped out of the sky you know what i mean so it's it's right exactly so you know the only difference is we're talking about it and for people to suddenly say well, you identify this way, therefore you don't. You couldn't possibly believe in this thing that was introduced to us fully as a gendered situation is bullshit. Because again, any tradition that doesn't grow and change and become more inclusive is due to die. I say this all the fucking time because it just annoys the shit out of me to hear. Well, you're not a real Gardnerian because you don't follow these basic tenets that we have all been taught since the beginning of the 60s. And I mean, you know, it just yeah. annoys the I fuck don't. out of me. So I'm kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like, get over yourselves. Everything has to change, including you. Because guess what, dinosaur? If you don't, you're going away faster than I am. Bye. I just Yeah, yeah, no, off. dinosaur I'm, is right. I heard somebody the other day say, Pale, stale, and male. I was like, I like that. I'm going to keep saying that. Oh, shit. Pale, right? I'm tired of the pale, stale, and male, you know, oh, casting a disgusting pall all over everything, you know. And uh, it's just, that's, that's the way it was, you know. I mean, if we look at, you're right, the 60s and earlier and things like that, that's who wrote the history. That's yeah. who wrote a lot of these books. That's who put the framework down for this. And, if it doesn't allow for other things in there, then it's not going to work because we have to allow for these other things to come in there in whatever way they need to. Of course. And, you know, here's the funny thing to me. This is the part that makes me laugh about all of it. Back in the day, we were all like, we just want to be included. We just don't want to be persecuted for what we believe in. This is like, has nothing to do with gender. It only has to do with being one of the non-Judeo-Christian religions, right? Right. And it's like, oh, we just want to be accepted. We just don't want to be persecuted anymore. Well, guess what? We're not being persecuted like that now. We, there's 9,000 authors all over the place. You can read about all different types of stuff, and that's what we fucking asked for back in the day. So can't you all fucking be happy that now we got that? Now, now we can talk about it and not be immediately burned at the fucking stake? Or shot out or stoned in the street, which I know there are some people who still want to do that to our asses, but shit. You know, yeah. you can actually go outside and proclaim yourself a witch and not have everybody just come at you with a pack of knives. It's, it's kind of what we fucking asked for, you know? <laughs> no, it is what, what we asked want. for, you know. Yeah, stop resisting what we asked for. This is what we wanted. We wanted inclusion. We didn't want to be fucking shadowy creatures that people feared like we we were all the the wicked witch of the east and shit like that i mean remember we all complained about stereotypes oh we're being stereotyped they think we're all evil okay calm down it's not like that necessarily anymore can't you be happy with that but no people just have to fucking have a reason to bitch it makes me insane yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. I do. I do. It just, it's, you know, I don't know. They just, 
they they don't like what they got. That's it, you know. <laughs> but what the rest of us have is what you got soup. So we're just gonna go with that and try and make it as good as possible. Yeah. No shit. I just yeah. I listen. I never thought I would ever have a podcast and talk to like incredible people who have done incredible things, such as yourself. You know, I never thought that would be possible when, you know, 40 years ago. And I was a fucking adult 40 years ago, y'all. I'm an old bitch. But <laughs> it's amazing. No, seriously, though, I never thought a podcast, a pod, well, first of all, what the fuck was a podcast? Never heard of it, you know. But <laughs> it's amazing. Things change quickly, you know. But also with things changing quickly, there are those people that want us to go backwards. So just as a brief aside, because we are pretty much out of time, but I love speaking with you, so I'm, I'm stretching just for a few more minutes of your attention. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, you know, don't let, don't let politics take us backwards. We can, we can regain our rights. The ones that we – listen, I'll never need an abortion again. I'm not afraid of the word abortion. I needed that choice because I would be dead if I hadn't gotten my last one, period, end of story. So, you know, we, yes, we've got I'm to here. make sure Definitely. we – Right? Right? We've got to yes. vote in every yes. election. Tell the folks, Lilith, tell the folks what they should do. They should definitely go vote. They should speak out, speak up. They should do whatever they can to help people who need help, you know. I think that's what I've been talking about. It doesn't matter if it's with my books or talking to you here in such a lovely way. It's, yep. You know, you can do something. Everybody can do something. Yep. We're, the beauty of the Internet now is you can actually do something. There's so much fake news and false information. Put your own voice out there. Be that sort of counter-narrative because somebody out there is going to need it. Somebody out there is going to need to hear that you and I had to do that. You and I had to do that. And yes. I'm sure there's people out there that think, oh, look, we're doing so great. We had it so easy. Well, you know, <laughs> there was a time when we needed that, and we wouldn't be here today if it sure. wasn't for that. So just remember that. Absolutely. Lilith, before I let you go, um, please tell me how people can donate to help with the garden. All right, cool. I just put a post up today on my blog, Voodoo Universe. So if people Google Voodoo Universe, they can go and see about my, it's called Bulbancha Blooms Gardens because Bulbancha is the original name of New Orleans. It means many tongues. So there were lots of different tongues coming here to talk and to sing and to uh, be together and survive and thrive in this city. So I really want to honor that and I really want to honor all the different presences that have been in New Orleans for hundreds of years and just remind people that they can take back a teeny piece of their land and their food justice and their own personal justice yeah. concerning these matters. Absolutely. And if folks want to find you, how do they find you? They can check out my website, LilithDorsey.com. There's all the info on there about my cover award-winning book, Water Magic. Hooray, I never won anything before. <laughs> so I'm so happy about well, that. I know. What? That's so exciting. When I heard that, I was like, okay, your new title is covered award-winning author. Sorry, it's just <laughs> like winning an Academy Award. You, even if you were just a nominee. Oscar-nominated performer, blah, 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 blah. That goes in front of your name permanently. Cover award-winning author. Deal with it. Demand it. Respect it, y'all. Respect it. I'm just saying these awards do not happen uh, willy-nilly. You have to have a following. People have to like what you've written. These, are, these awards are not easy to get, and you have a lot of great competition. But you won, you beat them out, and it's a brilliant book. All of your books are. But, yeah, I mean, be proud of that. Demand that respect. You've got to demand that respect. Yes. But anyway, I am honored that you came on to hang out with me. I hope I can talk you into doing it again. Of course. I love being on here with you. This is wonderful. You're my favorite podcast. There, I said it. Ha -ha. Oh, oh, wow! I 
you have no idea how big the smile is on my face right now. I'm blushing and gushing all at the same time. All right. Uh, I'm going to contact you in a few minutes. Everybody, the amazing Lilith Dorsey, please get the books. Please check out the website, lilithdorsey.com. Get all the information. Lilith, thank you again. Love and adore you, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. All right, everybody, I am out for the week. I will see you next Wednesday um, with the amazing LTZ. Laura Tempest-Zakroff is coming on, and we are going to talk about uh, – the, the Witch's Anatomy Oracle Deck. <laughs> Anatomy of the, of the Witch. It's, it's amazing. Get the book. Definitely get the Oracle Deck. The Oracle Deck is phenomenal. I posted about it the other day. It's stunning. I, I'm in love with it. It's, it's crazy, crazy good. Uh, and next Thursday, as always, first uh, Thursday of the month, with Starburst Amante, the 415. Have a wonderful week. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.